What's up, guys? We are back. Your high street freaks once again. Uh, we're here for the first part of the pod, which is the free part of the pod, and we will be back later or at the same time in publishing time <laughs> is uh, it, with the premium pod. So I am here with my partner in crime, um, but it's not crime if you don't get caught, Ryan. And uh, we're going to talk some some Ohio State recruiting because it's never too early to talk about uh, the, pl- the the future of the Bucks. Oh, yeah. I have a we have a website called me to midfield dot com. Oh, yeah. Famously. Uh, which is what this is attached to. Yeah. Uh, Kevin is our, our Ohio State writer. Uh, I, me and Patrick do our national coverage. Heather Fulton does our Michigan coverage. But I am also obviously uh, a fanatical Ohio State fan and uh, used to cover recruiting for Ohio State full time and still have some connect here and there so i've been doing my uh, recruiting big board series this week uh, we've gone through um some prospects that have not been offered yet in ohio that i think are worth keeping an eye on through the 2025 cycle i'm also doing big boards for every position for ohio state's recruiting uh, i published the offensive skill positions today the offensive line is coming out tomorrow and the defense uh the, the defensive line and, and the defensive linebackers and secondary are coming out um after that throughout the weekend so I'll be running through all of those. Um, you can read those articles if you'd like to on midfield.com by subscribing, as well as getting access to our message board to ask me questions about it and um, get premium episodes of this podcast and Flipping the Field, which is our national podcast I do with Patrick Mayhorn. Um, during the free episode, we're going to talk through some of the offensive positions because we already published that stuff. And uh, you and I are going to go through the defensive uh, positions on the premium podcast. Uh, those are not out yet. So if you want a preview of that, uh, if you're a member of this site, you can listen to that early or um, if you haven't subscribed yet and want to talk some recruiting, kind of hear it more in depth on the defensive half of the ball, you can uh, subscribe to listen to that half of the podcast. But uh, yeah. yeah, man, what's up on your world? How you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm getting over a uh, a head cold today. You can probably sound a little different. Might have to mute the old mic a little bit to hack up a lung. But um, oh, yeah. I think I think it's probably um, my hunch is that it's left over from being on a cruise ship where it's just like an incubator of just any the, the worst kind of viruses and diseases you could so it's probably just like a clusterfuck of like viruses that came into my system while on this cruise ship in uh the caribbean from last week i also got food yeah. poisoning on the ship that was pretty cool i don't think i've Damn. ever gotten food poisoning before and it wasn't that oh. bad because i've i've heard people say like food poisoning is like a day ruiner and um like you just are like going at it for like days or whatever like an entire day this was like i woke up at like 3 30 in the morning and was like, oh no. And then I threw up for like an hour and then like I fell asleep and then like I woke up the next day and it was totally fine. Like, I don't know. I had like a three day ruiner when I was uh, traveling to Colombia and Peru. Uh, yeah. In the spring, last that spring. Sounds not I, uh, great. Me and my buddy uh, ate some oxtail uh, that was not, uh, I guess, properly cooked through. And mm. man, he was out of commission for like two and a half days. And like mine was staggered. Like he was getting sick and I had felt totally fine. So I was like, oh, that sucks, dude. And then started for me like six hours later. Yeah, so I was uh, on a plane to Peru from Colombia, like trying to hold everything together. Um, not a fun experience. Yeah, I, well, I, I pity that. Uh, food I, poisoning I, was rough for me. Yeah. I heard that um, I took I took a food science class in college, um, but we a huge portion of it was like, you know, food poisoning slash all of the like microbes and stuff that could make you sick in food. Um, and in that class, they told us that generally speaking, 
when you get food poisoning, everybody wants to blame it on their most recent meal, usually because that's what you're throwing up. But mm. most of the time, it's the meal before that one that has gotten into mm. like, because it has to sit yeah. in your stomach and then end up getting into like your bloodstream or like you actually have to have like an immune response to it too, which takes yeah. a little bit. So usually it's like it, the meal before the one that you think made you sick. In your case, I you could, were six hours after, so it was probably your oxtail. But I think I was like 12 hours. No, I was like 18 hours after, and Steve no, that, was like 12 hours that after. That checks out. That checks yeah. out. But yeah, it's just mo rough. most most people like have dinner, and then they go back, and they're like, oh, no, like the dinner got yeah. me. It's like, no, it was probably breakfast. Like, Yeah. Oh, God. I do uh, I do not wish that anybody. That was the worst. Um, that was not fun. Yeah. But, but we're uh, good now. We're good now, and we're here to yeah. talk about Ohio State recruiting. Yeah. What more could you? Well, I will say the last thing for? I'll add. The last thing I'll add on the on the food poisoning story because this is kind of funny. Is we had pre-planned this big ass day trip in Peru to go out to like the Balestra Islands, to the penguins. They took you like to the uh, I forget the name of the desert, but there's a, a desert out there, and you can like basically boogie board down the sand dunes and like ride dune buggies, all that stuff. It's like a roller coaster. Yeah. I was like just barely over the food poisoning, but still not feeling great. So there are pictures of me just like pale, like kind of hunched over this dune I buggy as we're like going through it, like the mountains and uh, just barely hanging on throughout the entire day. I was not That's in fantastic. tip top shape. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, dude, let's talk some recruiting. Um, we're going to start with the offense here. Uh, where do you want to lead off? I'll kind of let you take the wheel to direct the conversation here. Huh. What do you want to get into? Yeah, so so candidly, I'm going to be our Ryan is uh, is our more in the weeds on recruiting, especially this far in advance. Um, and that's great for us. Uh, but I'm going to this is this is feeling like um, a like a game show where you just like tap the screen and you find out what's on the other side. And I'm just the guy who gets to tap like uh, tap that screen. Um, so we'll do I don't know. Um, we're doing defense for the premium. Um, you want to start the easiest want... one? Yeah, let, let's let's do the easiest one because the easiest one's the most fun too. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, I was actually say the easiest one is probably quarterback because that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, they're done. Uh, <laughs> so I'll talk through numbers as part of this conversation too. I am of the opinion that Ohio State should take two quarterbacks again in this class. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, but it is what I would do if I were them. The re reason being here, like there are currently five scholarship quarterbacks in the roster, right? You have senior Will Howard, redshirt sophomore, uh, Devin Brown, redshirt freshman Lincoln Keenholz, and true freshman Julian Sand and Aaron Nolan. Obviously, Will Howard is the presumed starter. I wonder if Devin Brown will stick to the whole burn the boats thing or if he will stay here after spring football. We don't know that. I think they could e easily lose a quarterback after the spring, whether it's Brown or uh, probably Brown is, is the one to point to. Yeah. And then you're setting up next year for a battle between, you know, Devin Brown's still here, him, Lincoln Keenholds, Julian Sand, and Aaron Nolan, right? Right. I don't know how long four quarterbacks who are all top one. 50 prospects, most of them top 50 prospects, except Kane Holtz, who lose a battle two or three years into their career are going to stick around and not transfer out. I don't think it's going to be a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> and I think like of the five guys you have in the roster now, 
if by like, you know, May 2025, the end of spring football 2025, if you still have three of them, that's a massive success. Oh, yeah. If you have two, it's about what you expect. So they're going to sign Tavian St. Clair in the 2025 class. He's a top 60 national recruit. He's from Bell Fountain uh, in the western rural Ohio. Um, he might be transferred into a Columbus high school. We'll, we'll see about that. Uh, it's, an, it's been rumored to him, a bigger competition level, whatever. Look, they would have three good ones if they have three next year. But this whole, like, what they, what they tend to do is like, hey, let me take a veteran transfer that's never really going to play. And it's just like an experienced body to have in the room. It's kind of an extra GA. I don't really get that. They never want to use those guys like Chris Chuganoff or yeah. Gunnar Hogue. It's or, never going to happen. They're never going to start games for you, right? Why would you not take a higher upside high school quarterback? Might be a year or two away. Whichever guy this is, you're not going to play him for a year or two at the earliest anyway. Right. Would you not rather have a guy with some traits you like to see if you can coach him up and become something? You know, like, look what Texas did with Malik Murphy, right? I think he was rated just outside the top 300. Huge arm, big body. And he's now, like, transferred to go be a power five starter after two years sitting on the bench and kind of playing in backup roles. Yeah. That's like what I would look for is that kind of toolsy player. Well, just a second high school signee. Yeah. I don't think just, just, yeah, just get that sort of guy, like get the Chris Chuganov sort of guy, but get him out of high school and then you can develop him and like have that sort of role from the beginning, like kind of like a Steven Collier role. Cause like, yeah, well, even those guys, that's the thing though, is like a Chuganov, like, What's even the identifiable trait? Like, what is the best case scenario? Yeah. I guess we had Chris Chuganoff's best case scenario, which is Justin Fields got hurt and he threw one pass. That was, and that was a good a good pass he threw against, it was, against yeah. Michigan. It yeah. was. That is like, that was the best case scenario that could possibly happen for Chris Chuganoff. And to be fair, he did it. That one pass he had to throw for the win a game was important and he threw it. The other guys, Hoke and Jebbia, never made a single play in their other games. But, there's, I think there was someone else I'm forgetting too. The funniest um, part about about Hoke was there was like a significant portion of the fan base that was like convinced that he was coming in to compete with Justin Fields. Yeah, that crazy. was that was hilarious. Yeah, he was honestly a good high school quarterback. I watched him at Dublin Kaufman. Um, I liked him in high school. He had good touch on the football. But like, look, what I'm saying is. Those guys who like went to a lesser school and never played or just transferring up to never play to a bigger school, that type of guy is less sustainable now that the portal is more open. Like a Jebbia as a sixth year player has no aspirations to ever start again. Like he was third or whatever Oregon State step chart. That's right. one thing. But like you're not like if you, for example, Will Howard starts this year, let's say Brown transfers out, you have a battle between Keenholz, Sand, and Nolan. Maybe you know, Saiyan wins and Nolan stays around for a year to see if he can take the job if Saiyan fucks up or something like that. In no scenario, if you take a Jebbia two, are you ever going to play Jebbia when you have Air Nolan on the roster? You are right. never in a million It's years never going to happen. Why would you not rather have, hey, what if I got quarterback X who's rated number 378 in the country who can throw the ball through a fucking brick wall but can't, isn't that accurate yet? Let's see if I can coach him. I get, you know, a year and a half to coach him up before we'd ever have to see him play a game. Wouldn't that put you in such a better situation? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, that's like Cardale Jones, too. Exactly. Exactly. There's a lot of these guys, but like Malik Murphy's one I threw out, but there are many others. Like, it's, it's a type of player that makes sense to me as a prospect that I can rationalize. I, I, 
And I think I think the oh shit capacity too, like because that's that's what a fourth string quarterback is. Like it's oh shit. Like that's like my season's like if you're down to your fourth quarterback, like it that is just a panic button. Yeah. And like my thing is like, wouldn't you rather have a guy who's been in your system for forever and you don't have to change a thing, rather yeah. than like adding just like a veteran guy who just is a clipboard holder and still, like I don't know. Like I just yeah, a hundred percent. And like even then. What I would say too is like the, the scenario when you add a, a, a hoke or a chugging off is like that was exactly what they did those two years with Fields, which is I have a starter and I have a true freshman. I need a third scholarship guy. Here yeah. you're looking at like a fourth scholarship guy, probably. And you're not gonna have a true freshman on, on the roster who who's like gonna be next in line to start. Right. You would have another guy at least a year in the system and then two true freshmen. That's way better, man. That is way right. better. Like yeah, I, I just think philosophically. And look, I'm not, obviously, I criticize Ryan Day for a lot of things. Quarterback recruiting development's not one of them. I know he's very good at what he does, but I think this approach and this process, I just can't wrap my head around it. It just seems so obvious to me. Yeah. Whatever. It, I I, I, I'd be interested to see if that's something that changes with Bill O'Brien in the offense, too. Because, like, I think if you're Ryan Day and you are effectively the quarterback's coach, like this sounds dumb, but you might want somebody that you can trust to be like a veteran presence in that room that can be like the quote unquote coach along with like Corey Dennis, who is also the coach. Like if you actually have an actual coach of that room, like do you need, you know, like do you need that veteran presence anymore? I I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know what he's thinking, but yeah, it is interesting. But yeah, uh, what, do, what do you like about, do you like St. Clair? Do you, are you happy with the choice that they made at quarterback? I think he has a, a really exciting upside. Like the that kid's arm, that kid's size, his mobility. Like there are a lot of things that are really exciting about him yeah. um, that make a lot of sense to me. Um, I don't know. I, I I do like him a lot. I am a little like if you told me. Here's the thing: it, it's always difficult to separating like the player we're talking about from the process that leads to him. Mm-hmm. Like in a vacuum, if you told me, "Hey, you a top sixty recruit." who's 6'4", 220, and he he throws a cannon. That sounds great. Um, then you also say, okay, but he plays, like, some of the worst competition in Ohio. Yeah. And he came out of nowhere after having a pretty good sophomore year, but then had a great camp performance. And he just got a lot bigger over the course of a year. That's when you offered him. And uh, then he had a good junior year. Like, I, but what I'm saying here is, I think the competition level he's playing at and the quick spurt up of his development makes me a little bit like I think he's going to be really good but I don't know it. it it's some of the questions you had about Keenholz right where it's like he didn't play anybody this isn't like Justin Fields or Aaron Nolan playing the highest level of Georgia football these kids are playing small school ball right and, and that's a little concerning I guess um yeah. but I think he's he, I think he's a really good prospect in a vacuum I like him a lot there's not like the only quarterbacks in this class I would have ahead of him uh on like the wish list are the two that are top two in the country exactly. which are Bryce Underwood yeah. and Julian Lewis and Julian Lewis reclassified and committed to uh USC. Julian I mean, Lewis those... is also like absurdly small. Like Julian Lewis is small to the point that it would scare me. Yeah, but come, have you watched him play? Yeah he's 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 awesome. He's awesome. <laughs> he's like he looks like Bryce Young, yeah to me. Um I, I do uh the other kid they were looking at is Ryan Montgomery out of Finley who uh Ohio I didn't um I didn't love him in comparison. Um there's another small kid 
who is Tremel Jones uh, out of Jacksonville, Mandarin. He's he's Jamie French's high school quarterback. He's committed to FSU. A little lower rated, but I like some of the, the traits there. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some other guys out there that are interesting. I, I haven't really kind of combed through the national quarterback list as much this year just because it was so obvious that Sinclair was the guy pretty fast. Um, but it is worth noting, by the way, there are a half dozen quarterbacks in Ohio this year that have power five offers already, which has to be like a recent record. That, right. It's been a while since that's happened. Well, I, cause, cause I know there was the, like early on, it looked like, uh, Ryan Montgomery was an option too, like that they were going to have to choose between, um, St. Clair and Ryan Montgomery. Like that, I mean, that's another guy that's going to go somewhere and start somewhere. Um, yeah, maybe yeah, they'd be going to Georgia. It looks like that'd be fun. Uh, there's a chance for that. Yeah, that'd be interesting. No, um, I, I, I just, I, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. Like, if you're not going to end up with Bryce Underwood or Julian Lewis in this class, like, I think St. Clair's the best guy for Ohio State to end up going with. Um, and I like he's got a, a ton of upside too. Uh, I don't know. Like, it's this is a this is a fine like. And and the other thing is that it's in a um, I, I hesitate to say this, but it's. It's in a a class that like it doesn't matter that much if you fuck it up if that makes sense because the you signed two of the top five quarterbacks in the country in the, in the same the class, class yeah. right before <laughs> and then I I mean obviously like the twenty twenty six class is just beginning too but I know that there's some uh some talented guys in that class as well too so like yeah. if you just bolster both sides of that like ending up with Julian Sayan Aaron Noland and Tavian Saint Clair before you get to whatever happens in 2026, like it's fine. Like what one of those quarterbacks will be just fine for you. Yeah, pretty much. I, I will really quick here. Just mention some of the other Ohio guys that like, I'm not saying they're going to offer one again. I think they're just going to sit pat where they're at, but like, I don't think there's any harm to taking this list of, uh, of dudes and just kind of watching their film for their, for their senior year and see what happens or, or, you know, get them to camp maybe and see what's up, like get them there under the guise of the seven on seven camp, whatever it might be. Just watch these kids in Ohio and see if one has like some traits you like. Um, Gahan Lincoln, uh, Gahan Lincoln has a kid named Brennan Ward, who is a six, three, 200. He has offers from like Boston college, Indiana, Kentucky, Mizzou, Virginia, that Mizzou offer is pretty interesting. Uh, I think they're pretty good quarterback evaluators. Um, he's six three two hundred again. I, I like that kid. Um, there's a, a West Virginia commit at a Menor, uh, Scotty Fox. He was he picked uh, West Virginia over Michigan State, Minnesota, Kentucky, Indiana, Boston College. Um, he committed in November. Pretty good, uh, pretty good passes up there, Menor. That's where um, Trubisky is from. It's where uh, Drew Aller's from. They put some quarterbacks out lately. I, I'd keep an eye on him. Um, then you also have Tyrell Lewis, Huber Heights, Wayne, kind of a smaller kid. Only power from offer is Louisville. Probably not much of a shot for him. Uh, Lakota East has Jamison Kitna. Uh, I don't know if there's any relation to the other Kitnas out there. There was a Kitna quarterback at Florida who was a like pedophile, uh, but he was a power five signee. And then yeah. there's obviously the NFL Kitna. I don't know if there's any relation to those guys. Uh, anyway, he has offers from uh, Houston, Baylor, Duke, Indiana, Kansas State, Pitt, Syracuse, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. Uh, one of his early offers was UTSA, which fascinated me because they have one of the best like development and identification staffs in the country. Um, and that's a long way to go to offer a quarterback, so I'm intrigued by that. Um, and then the last real guy is Zebulon Kinsey, which is, first of all, a fucking awesome name. Yeah, um, that he's rules. At a ter- 
He's out of Toronto, Ohio. I know a lot about Ohio geography from recruiting. I don't know where the no fuck idea. Toronto is. No idea where that is. No idea if, where that, that is. Let's, I'm looking it up here. I would Give guess southeast. Guess. I would guess southeast. Yeah, pretty good. It's uh, it's right down near Steubenville. The, um, only, the only reason I guessed southeast is because that's like the part of Ohio that I decidedly know the least. I'm good with southwest. All, I'm good yeah. with northwest. I'm good with northeast. That one. And, and there's so many little good. municipalities because they yeah. used to be like mining towns, like they had boom stuff or, you yeah. know, like work on the river for steel or whatever. That, and, southeast yeah. Ohio may as well be a different country. Like it is way different than the rest of the state. Dude, we should do an episode one time where we just bring on our buddies from like far flung parts of the state to talk about Ohio. Like That'd the be state cool. of Ohio as an offseason pod. That'd be cool. My buddy is from, uh, from Jackson County. Uh, down there in Southeast Ohio, and they have that's where the home of Ski Pop. You ever had Ski Pop before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yep. home of Ski that's Pop. That's crazy. Yeah, I've got people from all over. Um, I have a friend from Western Ohio who told me I was his first Catholic friend when we got to college. Love uh, that. They don't. They only have Protestants out there. <laughs> love that. I love. I love that. Like the the best part of that is like he thought about it too. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. Because <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't really like. I never would have like thought about that. Like, oh, you're my first Catholic friend. Like I, you know, like he, but like he knew. Like as soon as you said yeah. you were Catholic, like he thought, like, oh, that's weird. Like, <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's true. Uh, the Kinsey kid also plays linebacker. He's a two way player, kind of sick. Um, but he he Love has that. offers from Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia. That is some Southeast Ohio shit, by the way, of not having enough guys uh, to play both ways. You have to have your quarterback starting at linebacker. I also. I, I, I gotta I gotta say a, a crazy like okay I was a dumbass for this but I thought it was hilarious so back when um two four seven used to differentiate between pro style and uh, dual threat quarterback uh-huh. um I don't even remember who it was that Ohio State was recruiting maybe it was Cardale Jones that could have been it I was blown away because the um the uh the position said quarterback slash DT. Let's and go, I was, dude. I was losing my mind thinking <laughs> it has that Ohio to be State. Cardell. Was, Who else could that be? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was losing my mind thinking that Ohio State was recruiting a quarterback slash defensive tackle. When in reality, it was just quarterback slash dual threat. But who is the uh, who is the fat guy at uh, Kentucky? Oh, um, uh, the, the hefty, hefty lefty. lefty. Yeah, um, Jared, Jared something. something. Yeah. He yeah, died. He died. R.I.P. Yeah, I saw that, but R.I.P. for sure. But. He's a guy who could have played quarterback slash defensive tackle. Yeah, love that. Um, that's so funny. Yeah, but anyway, what I'm saying is there are some guys in Ohio that are worth kind of keeping an eye on that um, I'm not saying you're going to get one or you're they're going to offer one. I don't think they will. I, I probably spent way too much time on this. But all I'm saying is I think for optimal roster building, I would take two quarterbacks again this year, anticipating the number of transfers you're going to have because they cannot like afford to be idealistic and say, oh, like, would Julian say and Aaron Olin love it at Ohio State? They're going to come here to both compete and stay for three years and like be realistic about what you have on the roster. That'd Understand be when you were when yeah when you but yeah for sure. But when you recruit players of this caliber, they're going to leave way high, way, way more frequently. It's the same reason why Ohio State just signed four wide receivers every single year, which maybe a good bridging point here. We can get to wide receivers if you want to. I'm done with wide receivers. Game. Yeah, let's yeah. Um. They have one kid committed already, uh, Javon Boggs, who is a South Florida kid. He plays for South Florida Express, which is the the same seven-on-seven uh, seven group that also sent uh, Cardell Tate, Brandon Ennis, Jeremiah Smith to Ohio State. Uh, they have a bunch of kids that are recruiting for that group again this year. Um, Jamie French is one of them. Um, there's a million seven-on-seven seven guys for South Florida Express that are big. 
Uh, I like those dudes too. They are some of them are friends of mine. Um, I actually have a client of mine who is best friends with the head of South Florida, which I realized after we worked together for two years, it just kind of came up. Um, kind of funny. Anyway, uh, this is my day job I'm talking about. The wide receiver class is going to be ridiculous. It always is. It's Brian Hartline. It's pretty cool. The Boggs kid they have is ranked like top 200 right now. That's a top 100 recruit. That, that He is nasty. I like Javon Boggs a lot. I'm a little concerned about keeping him for another year, <laughs> but Fine. it's also Brian Hartline. Yeah. Um, I kind of break the wide receivers down into five groups, six groups, which are the first one is guys who are clearly a take for Ohio state and they're highly interested in Ohio state. Second one is guys who are clearly a take and they're interested, but I don't know how much. The third one is they're probably a take and they're definitely interested The fourth is they're highly interested in Ohio State, but I don't know if we want them yet. The fifth is they're highly interested in Ohio State, but we definitely don't want them yet. And the sixth is guys who are both not a take yet, and we don't know how interested they are, but they have offers, and they're saying nice things about Ohio State. Um, The first group is obviously where, like for a lot of classes, right, like that first group of clearly a take and highly interested is where you don't get many commitments from because although it's like they're guys you want, you know, the other best schools in the country want them too. Right. But when it's Brian Hartline, you tend to get a lot of guys for this first group. Yes. <laughs> so I dare say most, in fact. Most. Right. So I have four guys in this category. Um, the first one is Jamie French, who is probably the one everyone's heard of the most. Yeah, he um, rules. He, he he's really good. He's a top 15 prospect nationally. He decommitted from Alabama, uh, Ohio state finished runner up the first time uh, he decommitted whenever Saban retired, even before Saban retired, he had taken a game day visit to Ohio state for the Penn state game. He was also at camp in June, 2022. So he's been up to campus twice. Um, this is a kid who plays for FSE SFE rather, right? He plays Javon Boggs, the commit. He played with Cardinal Tate and Brandon Ennis and Jeremiah Smith. Basically, Ohio State's receiver room is about half just South Florida Express's receiver room. Um, <laughs> it's the way it's going. That's fine. It's fine. Yeah. He's still interested in Miami and Florida State, but at this point, like, I'm not saying the recruitment's done. It's going to be a battle. We know Miami and Florida State are both wanting to show out cash for guys like this. It nearly happened with guys like Jeremiah Smith were concerned. You know, like, this is something you have to worry about. But Man, on some I, level, if Ohio State can go in and pull off Jeremiah Smith and keeping him committed for that long, like yeah, the what's any, anything can happen, you know? Yeah, and like also, it, for a stack as this room always is, this might be like the year to sign some guys and and like be able to pitch them on actually a competitive depth chart. Yeah, because they only have nine scholarship guys in the roster at receiver right now, and one of them is Emeka Buka, who's going to be graduating. Then you have four guys I would consider transfer risks that they're not playing heavily this year, which are Bryson Rogers, who already entered the transfer portal with Drew. You have uh, Keon Grays and Kojo Antwi, who are going into year three and have really played. I forgot about him. Yeah. And then Jaden Ballard, who's been on the roster for a century and can't field punts. And like maybe he gets a shot this year. If he doesn't play this year, if he's like not ahead, he could leave in the spring if he doesn't have a starting job. Um, He's getting pretty far into his career. All that being said, they got to sign four guys. They're going to be able to pitch them on saying, hey, look, we have some crazy receivers in the roster, but you're a crazy receiver too. And these guys are all freshmen and sophomores who don't have like really grabbed a starting job yet. The room's wide open. 
I think they're going to get French to pair with Boggs, which will have them with two South Florida guys. That's great. The other kind of three players in this category I had were Philip Bell of Mission Viejo, California, Dalen McCutcheon of Lucas, Texas, uh, and Nasha Montgomery, also of Miami. Um, to start with Bell, Bell, Bell and um, oh, my brain turned off. Bell and, and McCutcheon are kind of similar recruitments this way. They are both very interested in Ohio State. Um, they both have Ohio State in their top two. So Bell feels like a battle between USC and Ohio State. Uh, he's already visited campus twice. Most recently was for the Michigan State game last year. Uh, this is feels like a true Ohio State-USC battle. There are not many programs I get worried about in terms of beating Ohio State for a high-end receiver. Alabama with Nick Saban was one of them. They could do that. Lincoln Riley's USC is one of the others. And I'd say Oregon's probably the other one, like, like maybe LSU occasionally. He's a kid from out West. We saw this movie already happen with Zachariah Branch like when they lost a kid from the West Coast to USC. I don't think this will play out the same way. I kind of get the, the sense that Ohio State might be able to pull this one off. It's, it's Ohio State versus USC, but the Tide are still kind of in it. I don't know. This is a big-time kid, too. He's, he's ranked number 110 nationally. He's a very versatile receiver. They like him a lot. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on this one. I think that he's probably the number two target in the class behind uh, behind uh, Jamie French. Um, and then Dalen McCutcheon is from Lucas, Texas. He's a top 100 prospect. But it is a Florida State-Ohio State battle, which is kind of fascinating um, for a kid from Texas. He also is in on Texas, USC, Notre Dame, and others. But um, he is Peyton Pierce's high school teammate. Uh, they played together down there at Lucas Lovejoy. Um, I would, he, he made his first during the season. I'd like to see him get out here again, a couple more times. Like if this kid makes an unofficial visit and an official before deciding, I like their odds a lot better. Um, but he's very interested in Ohio state and someone to keep an eye on for sure. He does have family in Florida, which is kind of a concern in the Florida state aspect, but, uh, a very good player. Then the last one in this group is Nashaw Montgomery, who plays at Miami central again, a top hundred prospect. Um, he does not play for the South Florida Elite Squad, but or South Florida Express, but is around a lot of those guys. Um, I think Ohio State made a big move for him after that Penn State visit. He came for the Penn State game. Um, Miami is a big-time player here. LSU is a big-time player. Um, he told 247 he's planning to visit again in the spring as well as an official. Getting him two more times on campus, like they could win this one for sure. And he is uh, he's nasty, dude. He has some of the best like uh, body control in the class. Those to me are the top four guys. I'm going to stop there. Do you want to get in, into any of them anymore? Any kind of questions about them? No, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fine on the, the wide receivers are probably the least concerning to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I have, I have just complete optimism that the receivers are going to be fine, regardless of who Hartline brings in. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, the, the two with, with French, I don't know. I, 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 I am, I am unreasonably optimistic about this wide receiver class, uh, especially after you should be. Yeah. Me, yeah. I mean, it's, know, it's, it's Brian Harlan. Yeah. I, I only I signed am, two last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I mean, I, I think we can move on at this point. I am quite interested in, um, the running back situation, especially oh. with what? Well, I was going to say, but I, I, 
I do want to talk I, about running backs, but I want I want to just really quick. I'm going to do a short version of some of the other receivers, if you don't mind. Breeze, Sorry, breeze through the next. The, okay, just, that's fine. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, just to be just to be thorough here. Yeah, go for um, it. I think there are. Uh, let's see here, like five or six players with offers that I, I'm going to eliminate for consideration. Um, I don't think that Quincy Porter will end up at Ohio State. He's been talked about a good bit. Uh, Porter's a Jersey kid. He um, he did visit uh, once, uh, but I don't know. He he has them on our top five or six, but it's been a while since he's been back. It was June 2023. I think Penn State's going to win that one or somebody who's not Ohio State. Um, you have Vernell Brown, who is an urban – his dad played for Urban Myers, Florida. Uh, so he's a Florida legacy, but he also has connections to the Ohio State staff and has talked about that. He loves Ohio State. Um, I think they like him a lot. He is a slot receiver. I just wonder if he's their top slot receiver. I'll talk about somebody else in a second. But By the he way, is, uh, yeah. that's a fucking crazy sentence. Oh, I know. I know. His dad yeah. played for Urban Meyer at Florida. Good yeah. God. <laughs> We're getting old, man. <laughs> that's insane. Uh, I do think that if Ohio State pushed for Brown, they could get him. But obviously, Florida's a contender. Billy Gonzalez is a pretty good recruiter at receiver. And then... You know, Alabama just offered their contender, Florida State, Miami, Oregon are all in there. He's a player that's going to blow up a little bit, I think, like in just terms of rankings. I like him a lot, but we'll see. Um, Desi Jones is, in my opinion, uh, not going to play at Ohio State. He's another New Jersey kid. I just don't see that one happening. He visited twice. Um, he told Alex Gleitman of On3, one of our buddies, that, that, that Ohio State's in his top three. Seems like Penn State and Texas the competition there, but... Again, seems like a Penn State kid to me. They're going to have a good receiver class this year as well. Um, Edward Coleman is a kid from Savannah, Georgia, who has Ohio State in the top six. He definitely loves Ohio State. There's no chances to take for them. It's not going to happen. Uh, Taz Williams, a Pittsburgh native, who moved to Texas. He definitely loves Ohio State, but he visited in April 2023 last time. They're just, again, not a take. He has other schools on his priority list. Taylor Taylor visited in November, but there's been basically no buzz around him. He's an Illinois kid. I think he goes to... Michigan, probably, if I had to guess. Um, Donovan Ulugbode is an AMG Academy kid who was just offered. We'll see if he visits. It's way too soon to know. Um, I think we can safely eliminate most of those guys for now. The other ones that are interesting, briefly, um, Winston Watkins is a guy who has a lot of like national buzz. He's a top 150 recruit. He is already committed and decommitted to two other schools. Uh, he committed to AM. Uh, visited Ohio State as a committed prospect in AM, like after his freshman season, decommitted from AM, committed to Colorado this past fall, and then decommitted again. Um, he's supposed to get back to Ohio State. He's, he told Adam Gorney of Rivals, there's no one he's a better relationship with in recruiting than Brian Hartline. If he comes back for another visit, I if like in more than a first time in more than a year, I would take him seriously. If he doesn't, I don't know. This kid's a game player extreme. Like, we won't know he's done until the ink is dry, but he's fucking good. I like him a lot. The other kid who, in my opinion, is like a top two or three receiver in this class that I would fucking kill to get is Kalik Lockett of Sasha, Texas. Um, he's a top 40 prospect nationally. He just got offered by Ohio State at, and has never visited, but keeps telling everyone he's in the top group and really wants to get here. You obviously, you have to see him make like two visits before you take it seriously at all. But like, my God, man, if you guys put on this kid's film, like this is this is the best receiver in the class to me, maybe or, or very close to it. He is nasty. I yeah, love Kalik Lockett. Yeah, I would love to get him. And then finally, really quickly, there's two in-state kids worth paying attention to. 
Uh, Quentin Simmons, Cincinnati Withrow, is a teammate of their 2026 commit, Chris Henry Jr. He's a top 250 prospect nationally. I think he has like 16 Power 5 offers. And Sean Terry of Iron Tail, which where they signed Reed Carrico from, is only rated 488 nationally, but also has been absolutely blowing up in his recruitment. Uh, I think like in the last two weeks alone, he's gotten offers from Penn State, USC, Notre Dame, Tennessee, and Oregon. Um, he is a really speedy slot receiver. I would love to see both those kids camp at Ohio State. They may be in that like William Satterwhite zone where they have too many good offers to think they have to camp, but also they can't get offered without camping unless something changes. I don't know. I want to see him visit again. I like both those prospects. It'd be nice to get one Ohio kid and then kind of chase Jamie French, Philip Bell, Dan McCutcheon, and Sean Montgomery, Kalik Lockett for the last two spots. Winston Watkins too. That'd be cool. We'll see. Receiver's going to be fine, like you said. That that's that's the summary. <laughs> I I also like the state of like wide receivers in modern college football is so funny because like you just rattled off like probably thirty to forty wide receivers. I don't know like the total number. Yeah, um, like yeah, and like legitimately all of them are probably going to be like solid college wide receivers. I think it's just like there is there is a different level of like. Like sometimes it's easy, like in some generations, it's easier to find, I don't know, running back. Sometimes it's easier to find like whatever, like we are just in the era of plug and play wide receivers in a sense where like there are just so many elite wide receivers. I think it was, I think Urban Meyer recently said it. he was talking about Michigan and how Michigan's so good because of their O-line play. And he was like, listen, like on some level, like it's not hard to find, like if you look at like the top like 30 players or the top 50 players, like you can find skill players all over. He's like, but it's tough to find those like can't miss prospects that play on the offensive line. And like, yeah, that's, that's true. Cause yeah, I mean, all, the, all, of the, all of the, all yeah. of the freak athletes want to play wide receiver and stuff like that. Yeah. I will say that our buddy, uh, whip route on Twitter is a great follow. It is something he said that I, I think it's not, he's not the first one to say it, but I do agree with it. Is that like, the proliferation of guys who are big time receivers is going to have a market correction soon yeah. because many of these players are good college receivers. Some of them could be great college DBs. Yes. And more of these kinds of players, like if you're like a top 40 receiver, but you have like short area speed, you should be playing quarterback. You have a better chance to play in the NFL corner. Yeah. Um, especially if you're like five eleven, go play corner dude. Um, but yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, there's a kid in Ohio, Dwayne Galloway, who's playing both ways, but I think should be a safety um, instead of a receiver or corner. We'll see about him. We'll talk about him later. Um, yeah, right. You want to get running back, right? Uh, what do you? What would we talk about with running back here? So, I don't think we've we've been pretty candid about uh, the the state of the running back position and the running back recruiting at Ohio State. And like, listen, we're good this year. Like, it, it, it's it's completely fine. Um, Currently, you have uh, two, maybe like one A, one B of two of the best running backs in the entire country. Yeah, it's, it's nasty. Yeah. Like, I, I think maybe like the only other guy kind of, well, I guess, I guess there's other guys. There's like Ollie Gordon. There's like ETN. Like, there's there's some guys up there. But like, I, I would take Ohio State's two guys in Over comparison with, with anybody else in the country. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're, they're good this year. But both of those guys probably, I mean... Henderson could have been gone after this year. Both of them are for sure gone next year. Like they're, they're for sure. Gone. Yes. hundred percent. So you are left with, I, I assume like Dallin Hayden's probably gone too. I I'm almost under the assumption that Dallin Hayden is probably going to transfer after 
he has not gotten the carries that he should have or could have the past couple seasons. You just recruited another running back instead of giving him care. Like I, I would be gone if I was Dallin Hayden. So I would not be bothered. I mean, I, I, I would completely get it. I'm almost yeah, assuming. And like Tennessee has an opening running back now too. There's like, yeah, there's, some... yeah, there's, there's just, uh, there's just a, um, I don't know. There's, there's a lot going on there. I, I assume that he's gone. So that leaves Ohio State with what one running back in in the running back two team? James Peoples and Sam Williams Dixon. Oh, I, get, I, get, okay, I, f- I forgot about Sam Williams yeah. Dixon. So you've got two two scholarship running backs that are going to be in their second year of college football. Like this right. needs to be. You need to do something here. They're probably going to need to make a splash in the portal too. That's a different story. But in terms of just having depth in this room at a position that needs depth, um. This is this is a pretty important class. So Very I am interested. I am interested. And and from what I remember, um, I again I am not the recruiting knower in this uh this podcast. From what I remember, this is a pretty solid class for Ohio running backs, too. Yeah, there are two blue chip guys in Ohio, both ranked in the top two hundred. Um uh, Bo Jackson of Cleveland Villa, Angela St. Joseph. No relation, which is pretty no funny, relation. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I, uh, I feel like I feel like if your last name's Jackson, you just like like go for it. I I, I yeah, can't yeah, I, yeah, I respect 100%. it. Yeah. And then there's also uh there's also Marquise Davis of Cleveland Heights. Um so he's uh he's 167 nationally. Here's what I will say. Ohio State tried to sign three running backs last class, right? They had James Peoples and Jordan Lyle committed, and they also had Sam Williams-Dixon, who they listed as an athlete, but was almost certainly the minute he got to campus could be a running back. Then once Jordan Lyle flipped to Miami, he did come to campus as a running back. Just candidly, I don't know if he's any good. Um, (laughs) Like, he played small school competition and didn't really do much at Pickerington when he was there for one year. And that's tricky. I think they like they are probably going to sign two. I would sign three if I were them. Like just in general for this class, I'm looking at so many positions where it's like, yeah, well, they could sign X, Y number, but like it'd be a lot better if they signed blank. I am hoping after all the changes we've seen Ohio State make in their approaches offseason, you know, money willing to spend on portal targets, money on recruiting, um, just aggression in the portal, like some things they've changed. I am hoping this trickles down to the recruiting size of classes because this should be like a, a 27, 28, 30-man class. Like, it should be a huge SEC or Michigan-style recruiting class. Like, sign a lot of guys and then process out five or ten in the spring. Do it for a position of strength instead of position of need. You know what I mean? Like, that's it's always better. But having two guys like this in Ohio makes for a huge benefit because of what we know of Tony Elford's previous history with South Florida running back flips in the last two classes, losing Mark Fletcher and Jordan Lyle back-to-back years, um, and also missing some other guys late in the process in the past. They've had to settle recently. Having two kids in Ohio is helpful here, right? So Jackson and Davis both play both ways. I think Jackson's the better defensive player. Um, If I had my druthers, I would sign these two and one of the two national guys they're going after, and I'll talk about in a second, Call one of them an athlete, and the minute they're at campus, once you know Dallin Hayden is gone, or once you realize Sam Williams Dixon isn't good or something, call him a running back and have five scholarship running backs in the class again. I know it's hard to do that, and signing five running backs in two years just leads to more transfers down the road, but that's college football, baby. You got to do what you got to do. Anyway, 
They're both really good. I like Jackson better. Some smart people that I trust in recruiting, including uh, Mark Givler and Alex Lightman, have kind of been quietly expressing skepticism about Davis. Um, this idea that Ohio State may end up like saying, like, they're going to get Jackson, right? That's going to happen. Yeah. And he's great. Davis is taking his time more in some of the other schools. Like Penn State's a big factor there. Um, there's a couple others as well. I mean, he's going to take officials to Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Ten- USC and Tennessee, according to 247 Sports. Um, I still think they have the edge. If he's going to take his time, Ohio State's also heavily involved with two natural recruits, which is Byron Lewis of Fort Lauderdale American Heritage. Um, they've signed a few players there in the past. You guys probably know about schools where the Boses are from. It's where a lot of other players are from, Trayvon Grimes. Um, and also Jordan Davison out of Santa Ana Modern Day in California. Here's the challenge. We have seen Ohio State's recent track record with South Florida running backs, right? Two guys have flipped in back-to-back years. Byron Lewis says all the right things about Ohio State. He actually was Mark Fletcher's backup running back as a freshman and sophomore before he got the starting job as a junior. Um, he visited Ohio State on his own dime four times last year. He came in March for a spring practice, June for a camp to work with Alford, and then for both the Penn State and Michigan State games. He says he's going to visit again in the spring and then for an official visit. Obviously, Miami is still a threat. He's been there a bunch, too. But he is saying and doing all of the right things you want to see about a kid like nationally who is interested in Ohio State. There's just always going to be some folks who are gun shy about running back with South Florida until you see him sign. And I get it. The benefit here, as silly as it sounds, is by Ohio State losing those first two kids, it makes Miami's depth chart just as tough as Ohio State's is, right? Like they just signed two elite guys they flipped from Ohio State. Yeah. So that's one factor. Um, then the other kid, it's a similar story, right? You have Jordan Davison on Modern Day, who's a top 50 national recruit. Ohio State, between the 2018 and 2024 classes, offered 11 players from Modern Day. Modern Day rather, sorry. Uh, I had a Boston accent there. Uh, they, they were a finalist for seven of those 11 players and signed none of them. Thick. We have seen the movie on Modern Day a lot. Like These kids show, show interest, and he did twice. He took a multi-day visit. Yeah. In June 2023, he came for the Notre Dame game in 2022 and a spring practice in 2022. It's been seven months he's been back, but he obviously knows Ohio State very well. He's a great relationship with Alford. He says he's coming back for a, a spring visit in March as well as an official visit after that. It does seem like the benefit here as well is that USC isn't really going to be a finalist for him. Ohio State's battling Texas and Oregon, and then it seems like Alabama's kind of pushing back in a little bit here. They are definitely very real contenders for both Lewis and Davison. I would take either one of these guys or both they wanted to commit. But you also have to get at least one of the two Ohio guys. Yeah. And I think if I had my druthers, I would still be trying to convince both Ohio guys and one of these two national recruits. And that's an amazing class. Like if you get those three guys, that is a fucking sick class. And immediately solves all my concerns about the depth, right? And I like people. They signed in 2024. He's good. That having those four backs in the same room, that's you're going to be just fine. That is an Alabama or Georgia style room. You're good to go. Yeah. But that is easier said than done. Exactly. To convince that's, these guys to be a part of a three back class. That's exactly what I was going to say. Cause I think when you start, cause I know you said in your ideal world, they signed three. But I think the realistic problem or the, the only problem with that is like, realistically 
if you sign three, that waters down probably two of them. Like, I, I just don't know if you're going to convince three guys that you really like to the point that, like, they can, I don't know. I just, I, I am not wholly convinced on that. I, yeah. I am of the idea that you could probably get two, like, without, obviously, each situation is very different. Ohio State just convinced two 1A running backs to come play for one season together. You know, like, it can happen um, if you yeah. sell it right. But uh, And especially if you can show proof of concept with... Yeah. Judkins and Henderson doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they've done it before, right? You can say that with Mike Weber and Dobbins. They did it together. Um, you know, you can look at other seasons in the past where that's happened. It's not the most common thing in the world, but they do do it. I, I think um, I think there's also going to be a recruiting pitch here too with um, the season getting longer, with there now the, being yeah, yeah. that, that you were, you're going to need. Because, I mean it used to be like, like suddenly we're getting to like the 16 game mark because it used to be, you needed to play 12 and now you're getting to like, that's an NFL season and you yeah. can't just go through like an NFL season with running, running back. That's insane. Like that's, right. that's insane to think right. about. And if Ohio state is going to be in the playoff every year, like that's, you need to be ready to play 16 games. Yeah. And I'm sure they're saying that. And I, I mean, like they're definitely going to get to right of that top. They're going to get two of those four, which is amazing already. I think my bet would be on Jackson and Lewis if I had to pick two of them, um, which is a really good class. There's some other yeah. guys they're in on. Like, there's three kids from Texas they like: uh, Tory Blaylock, Chad Gasper, and DeAndre Ryden. There's Jeff Overton and Harry Dalton from Virginia, and then there's an IMG Academy kid, Donovan Johnson, they like, who's originally from Savannah, Georgia. Um, I think they probably end up getting two of those top four if they could get three and convince either Marquise Davis or Bo Jackson that they're quote unquote athletes. That would be a A plus home run. If you just get any two of those four, it's an A class, and that's fine. But the, the problem is, if you miss on either Jackson or Davis, the smart money is on one of those kids going to one of your Big Ten rivals, which sucks. Like, it's the same problem with the Jordan Marshall situation. Like, if Ohio State had signed Jordan Lyle and James Peoples last year as two running backs, the sting of losing Jordan Marshall to Michigan is lessened because yeah. you have two elite kids. But then, like, you don't get Marshall – you miss on Lyle because he flips and then you end up with SWD and peoples. And it's like, you probably got one running back better than Marshall, but then like the other kid you really liked is going to play for your biggest rival right. here to see him across the field. Right. That's the tough part about losing the Ohio kids. So like at the end of the day, if the two Ohio kids want in, just take them and still work on Davison or, or, uh, or Lewis, but don't press too much. Right. Um, all right, you and I are going to wrap up really quick the tight end recruits here. I'm going to go through these faster because uh, they're pretty easy. So there are uh, they're going to take two tight ends again in this class. Uh, reason being, G. Scott's a senior and he's gone. Demarion Witten might end up being a receiver. He's one of the guys in, in the in the class. Will Cack Merrick, I guess, could theoretically go pro. He's the Ohio transfer they just brought in. Probably not. Bennett Christian has done nothing. He's going to be uh, in his third year this year. He's a transfer risk. Got to take at least two. They're not going to take three. I would consider it. Again, I want a big class here. I think they signed two. The guy for Ohio State is Nate Roberts of Oklahoma. Um, he is the top prospect by far. Ohio State was the runner-up when he came to Notre Dame um, the first time around, and he's visited three times since then. Uh, once was last May, once was for Western Kentucky, and once was, uh, again, just recently this past month in January. Um, they're still competing with Oregon and a little bit with Oklahoma, but he was already willing to leave the state once, and he's not showing a ton of interest in Oklahoma, honestly. He's visited a few times, but they don't really seem to be the big threat here. His brother is there as a walk-on, but 
I don't know. I think they're going to beat Oregon. I think he commits to Ohio State before the end of the spring. I think Nate Roberts is a Buckeye. Um, and he's a freak. He's a top 150. He's a top 100 recruit or just outside of it nationally. Really, really good player. Um, there's also an Ohio kid here they've already offered uh, who is Luca Gilbert. He is a top 200 prospect nationally, number seven tight end in the country. Uh, he got offered in March of last year, so like 10 months ago. He's been in the Ohio State right up before then. He's been to campus five times total. Last time was for the Penn State game in October. Um, here's the semi-concerning part is he's visited Michigan twice since then and also just went to Miami and Penn State. I don't know how much Ohio State is pushing for Luca Gilbert. I know he's an in-state kid with an offer, and they're going to take two tight ends. Normally that's great to me. It's simple. I would just get it done. He doesn't really catch the football in high school. Like, Lakota West barely throws the ball. I think he had 13 receptions in 12 games last year. When they throw it to him, he looks good catching the football. But obviously, you know, Roberts is a big guy. Gilbert's a big guy. Usually they kind of like one flex tight end and one inline tight end in these classes. I don't know. It's interesting. I Again, because of the fact that if you don't get him, he's probably going to Penn State or Michigan. I would push hard to get him and take him and Roberts and call it a day. The other kid that just becoming a factor they just offered is Brock Schott out of Indiana. Um, he just got an Ohio State offer about a week and a half ago. Uh, Keenan Bailey visited high school. Uh, he visited twice last year without an offer, once for camp in June and again for the Penn State game. Um, Berm of Rivals, our buddy, reported that he's going to visit Columbus again in March. And then uh, on three's national team reported that he's going to visit Ohio State for an official in the summer. He's also in on all the big Midwestern schools, Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Purdue, and Iowa are threats here, and Miami's involved too. Um, I like Shot a lot. I would not be surprised if he ended up at Ohio State. I would love to get Roberts and Gilbert and be done there, but I think you take the first two of these three guys you can get. Um, or take the first one of the two between Gilbert and Shot, and then hold a spot for Roberts. Um, and then the final thing worth mentioning here. Ohio State also offered Orlando Pace's kid um, like a while ago. I don't think he's a take right now. Here's what I would love to see happen. We've already seen one like Buckeye legacy kid uh, in Lorenzo Styles Jr. be a gray shirt at Ohio State after he transferred from Notre Dame. Orlando made a lot more money than Lorenzo Styles did in the NFL. <laughs> and Ohio State NIL yeah. is better now. Yeah. I would love to see if they could convince, like sign two of those three tight ends and then convince Landon Pace, who he's not like a bad recruit. He's just outside the top 600 nationally. He does have a bunch of power five offers. Um, he visited five times most recently for the Penn State game, but convince him to come gray shirt for a year and be the third tight end. I mean, not really threaten the big two and then put him on scholarship after that. That solves your depth and numbers question. And it also gives you an extra talented player. Maybe he works out. Maybe he doesn't. His brother's already here as a walk-on. It's Orlando's kid. He obviously knows the rivalry, knows Ohio State very well. I would love to get two of those first three and then sign Landon as like a gray shirt or walk-on if they could. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's I don't, my dream. I, yeah. I don't have deep thoughts about the tight end position. I think that I am, I am numb to tight ends, although it's a very important position in Ohio State's offense, regretfully. Um, they run a lot of yeah. two tight end when it'd be cool if they just would 
do some other more, stuff too. Yeah, yeah. But I, 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 that's that's not a conversation to litigate here. The issue is that they need bodies. I also think that like I've become numb to tight end recruiting because of Kevin Wilson, and that's not anybody else's fault, but Kevin Wilson's. Yeah. Um, I will say Bailey is a good recruiter. I, I've been yeah. impressed so far. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe in three years I'll be convinced that tight ends are cool now. But um, yeah. I've been largely numb to i mean the, yeah. the best tight end that ohio state's had has been Cade stover who started as a linebacker and yeah so um yep um we'll get into it uh i'm sure as the as the recruiting cycle goes on i have that article up on me at midfield you guys should read it uh we should also mention we're about to hop on the defensive podcast the premium before we do that uh this podcast is brought to you by Homefield apparel which is yeah. our sponsor uh Homefield is the Premier purveyor of vintage collegiate apparel, the best gear in the country. If you're one of those like freakish uh, Ohio State football Duke basketball fans, they just dropped a uh, they just dropped a Duke collection. First of all, unsubscribe from the podcast. Uh, yeah. But second, <laughs> they did just drop some Duke gear. Um, Homefield is the best. They make the best stuff in the country. Uh, it is the softest gear. Uh, my girlfriend's an Iowa grad. I just got her a bunch of Iowa gear for Christmas. She's been loving it. Um, her mom asked for some as well. So I'm after buy a sec. I'm going to get some to her mom soon. I think, uh, really great gear. Uh, everyone loves it. People are stealing it from me all the time. Uh, if you have never purchased home field apparel, use the code meet at midfield for 15% off your first order. Um, if you have, uh, buy it anyway and tell them we sent you. Oh, also I forgot one thing for the offensive line. I'm going to go back to, Oh, do we talk offensive line? We didn't we did. talk about no. the offensive line. Oh, fuck. I just gave that outro for no reason. Well, just stay along then. Just kidding. I just fooled you guys into it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> yeah. uh, here's the thing about the offense. Let me, let me just, I'll speed through this because you and I got to get to this defensive podcast too. And uh, we are on a time crunch today. Um, Carter Lowe committed. That's massive. He rocks. He's very, very good. They're going to take four offensive linemen. I think they should take five. Uh, we'll see if they do. They have to offer some new players because they are only like serious tenders for a couple of them right now. I don't like their odds. Um, the biggest name to know is Avery Gack, who is a Michigan native. Um, he has visited six total times, especially for the Maryland game. This is an Ohio State versus Michigan battle. Obviously, with Michigan's recent history of O-line development and being from Michigan, the betting favorite is Michigan here. I think he might have better relationships at Ohio State, which is interesting. He's very tight with Carter Lowe. Um, I wonder how much the Jim Harbaugh and Ben Herbert departures helped them here. Obviously, we'll see. Lenny, this one would be massive. Stealing a kid out of Michigan again would be a huge benefit. Other names to know, uh, Micah DeBose. He is an Alabama native, which I know the odds on that. Uh, but he also grew up in Cleveland before moving to Alabama, which is interesting. He has a lot of family in Ohio. Um, that helps. He visited for the first time in July, came back again for the Michigan State game. His biological father and his grandmother still live in Cleveland. Um, obviously Alabama and Auburn are big threats here. He used to be committed to Georgia before he opened his recruitment back up. They're in the mix. They got to get him back again a couple times, but DeBose is a big time national name. would be a huge get to get. There's like David Sanders, the big name, everyone in Ohio state once he's the five-star number one tackle in the country. Unless they get other visits soon, it's not going to happen. They're like in the top five or six, but it's been a while since he's been back. Uh, he's really tight with Paris Johnson and Paris Johnson's parents. That helps. Um, but they got to get him back soon or else it's not going to work out. Um, so their names that recruiting a tackle are Douglas Utu, Maddie Augustine, and Malachi Goodman. Um, Utu visited for the Michigan State game. He's a West Coast kid, I think, from Bishop Gorman. 
Maddie Augustine visited Ohio State in June and July, as well as the previous June. But it seems like Notre Dame is the clear favorite. He's from the Northeast. And Malachi Goodman was offered by Ohio State this month after Fry visited, kind of a new name. He's planning a spring visit. At guard, uh, they're recruiting Javon McFadden, um, <clears throat> who visited, he visited for the Michigan State game. They offered, I think, they're a legit chance for him. He's from Georgia, maybe. Uh, I'll confirm that in one second. It's my bad. Uh, he's from Maryland. Just kidding. Then <laughs> there's also uh, Rowan Byrne. Yeah, Rowan Byrne is from like upstate New York. Um, he uh, was offered during a visit to campus back in July. It seems like Michigan is his leader. Uh, Mason Short visited way back for the Michigan game in 2022. Um, he's an Alabama decommit. I don't think that kid is leaving the South. I think Georgia and Clemson are out in front. Alabama's still in the mix. Auburn's up there. Ohio State's probably running fourth or fifth, but he's a fucking awesome player. I'd love to get him. Um, and then Caden Strayhorn is an IMG Academy kid. He visited for June uh, for a camp and was offered during that camp. It seems like Michigan is the heavy favorite. Um, I have a list of names I think they should be offering soon. I will publish that in the article, so make sure to subscribe to me field to read that. One name I will throw out here is an in-state kid, uh, Nolan Davenport. Uh, he is from Maslin, Washington. Uh, he already has 11 total power four offers, and he just switched to offensive tackle from tight end. He's 6'6", 260. They're going to go watch him and evaluate him throughout the spring. Uh, hopefully get him for a camp. He's going to visit again soon. Um, it'd be great if that kid ends up being good. Uh, if he ends up making the switch well, that'd be very ideal for Ohio State to have an extra tackle in the home state. Mm-hmm. They got to win one of these national battles, dude. There's a lot of them. They got to get one of like McFadden, DeBose, Gak, Utu, Augustine, Sanders, Goodman. Like one of those guys, you got to pull it off. They cannot only get kids from Ohio in this class because the Ohio O line class is not good enough. Um, there's a guard I like, Jake Cook at Westerville North. There's a couple other kids, but like, it's not a good enough Ohio class. You have to go outside the region. Justin Fry has not done that successfully very much yet. Um, it's got to happen. All right. Well, I think that's uh, that's our free edition. We're going to pop over to the premium and uh, real quick run through the defensive prospects before Ryan does his uh, write-ups on it. So if you're interested oh, yeah. in that, come uh, hang out with us. And more importantly, if you're subscribed to the site and you are not getting the premium editions of the podcast, one – we might be fixing that in a different way um, in the future. Two, um, currently, if that's a problem, send me a direct message on our website and I will get you added to the list because sometimes it's supposed to add you automatic automatically, but it hasn't been doing that. Um, so I'll, I'll get you squared away. Oh, yeah.